Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA podcast. I'm your host, DC. And of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, what's up, y'all? And we got a special guest in the building returning. He hasn't been here for a while. He pretty much had, uh, you know, kicked us to the curb for bigger and better things. But we got TJ in the house. What's up, everybody? Uh, Thank you for letting me come back. Absolutely. So today, um, the big thing today is, of course, we just had UFC 280. And um, in UFC 280, there were uh, a few notable fights uh, that we want to talk about. And the first one I want to dive into was um, one that was a controversial fight. It was a good fight. Um, A lot of people saw it as a back and forth fight, but yet a controversial decision. And that was uh, Peter Yan versus uh, O'Malley. Uh, and this was a big step up in competition for O'Malley. I think it's the first person he fought probably in the top 15. I don't know. And he went to, you know, the number one contender um, and uh, ended up getting a decision in this fight. So the first thing I want to throw out there is, um, do you all think that it was the right decision? And I'm going to throw this over to our guest first. So, TJ, what do you think about that decision? Admittedly, I had Jan winning that fight. When you ask that question, what do you think about the decision? Admittedly, I had Jan winning the fight. But throughout the entire fight, I was actually cheering for Sean. I know that sounds crazy. Um, I I don't think it's a robbery at all. I think it's just a close decision. It was a close fight back and forth. Very close, very competitive all the way to the last you know bell. But I think what we're seeing now is... Sean has built this sort of cult of personality around him. So he has more enemies than he does fans. And when you have more enemies than you do fans, anything that's close is considered a robbery, right? Like, um, I think it was, uh, I can't remember who caught it out earlier today, but I think maybe DC or said it, said it, Daniel Cormier, DC, um, said it earlier. Like, we don't know that guy. Yeah. See, oh, <laughs> uh, it, it really comes down to how much do you value a takedown? And it's like, if you value a takedown in the old UFC rules where a takedown saved the day, and it's like, okay, so Jan took him down, he did nothing with those takedowns, then he 100% won. But if you take those takedowns out of the equation, it could be arguably three, uh, uh, a two to one for, for Sean. So, for Sugar Show, rather. Okay, what's, what's your thoughts, Locke? Yeah, I agree. Um, I can't disagree with anything he said. I also scored it for Jan. But I didn't see it as a robbery. It was a close enough fight that I I didn't hate the decision either way. I do think that Sean O'Malley, though, even if he'd have came out on the wrong side of that decision, he definitely kind of put his stamp that he's legit. You know, he's a top contender. Because I have been a guy that's been pretty tough on Sean O'Malley on, you know, some of his performances or whatever in the level of competition. But this was a huge step step up and Outside his fan base, most people wrote him off completely. And I think even being competitive in the fight uh, kind of put a stamp that he's a legit competitor in division either way. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and d- disagree with both of y'all fellas. <laughs> um, well, I think this is the thing. I think we need another name for bad decisions that are not robberies, right? Because I think it was a bad decision. I think it was clearly a bad decision. But I don't think robbery is the right name because robbery to me is when it's no way in chance anybody could see this person as winning. They got completely dominated 
and got a decision, which I don't think happened. But I think Jan clearly won. I don't think it was that close. And this is what I mean by that. There are certain, the certain areas were pretty even. The striker was pretty even. Even if you look at the numbers, right? Um, the numbers, um, I think Jan had like 97 strikes and O'Malley had like 91. That's even, right? Six strikes is nothing. That's even. But Jan had all of the takedowns, 100%. And I know people said he didn't do a lot with the takedowns, but he was still working when he got those takedowns. It's not like he did a lay and pray, but, you know, he was dealing with a, a really, you know, long guy that knows how to use his length and everything like that. And, you know, O'Malley did some good things to try and, you know, get out of it. He, he got up on quite a few of those, but not only did he have all the takedowns, he was the aggressor. He was the one moving for all the things that when, and, and this is my problem with the MMA world is that those rules only mean something. If you like the fighter, whatever you don't like the fighter or you want the other guy to win, you question those rules. But on all the other cases, you say, no, this guy clearly won, especially a guy like Daniel Cormier. You can beat the piss out of a guy for, you know, for, fucking four minutes and 50 seconds and he get a takedown and Daniel Cormier will be trying to say that the guy with the takedown won, right? So it's like, to me, I need the MMA community to keep the energy consistent or my usual phrase, just admit that you're biased and then I'm okay with it. You know, if you're just, if you're like, man, I'm biased, I think he will. I'd be like, okay, it's nothing I can argue with that. But if the strikes are even and one guy is more aggressive and has all the takedowns, I don't understand how he does not win that fight. And that's the way I look at it. And then as far as O'Malley being legit, um, he's a legit contender, but to me, it's always easier when you have an easier path up to the top. He definitely had an easier path than anybody else. Um, did he show that he can go out there and strike with the top of the division? Yeah, but I think he also show some areas where there's still a lot of holes where he got to fix some things that I would love to see. But, um, you know, he went from unranked to now the number one contender. And I definitely question that. So rebuttals. If none, I go to my next question. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I'm used to you calling out to the person. So who you want to talk first. So like, if you want to jump in, go for it. Otherwise I got a rebuttal. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I previously stated at the top of it, right, people that are saying it's a robbery are basically biased. They hate or dislike Sean and Sugar Show, and they can't they can't see the minutia of the punches, right? Like, they, they don't look at all the striking. They look at his high level. He has high level striking. They don't, they don't equate or account all of the takedowns he defended versus the ones he landed. Um, to your point, Peter Jan, he was transitioning. He was moving in those takedowns when he had them on the ground. But every time he transitioned or advanced position, Sean was defending it as well, right? So to me, this was a high-level competition, like competitive fight, highly competitive, high-level. And it did prove that, yes, Sugar Sean O'Malley is a high-level contender. To that point, number one contender, if we're going to talk about that, 100% agree with you. I moved him up to number three in my books. Um, you made a comment. You said, you don't know if he fought anybody in the top 15. I think he lost to Cheeto or, you know... 
when Cheeto, I think, was at the time ranked 10. I still think this makes Cheeto the number one uh, contender in that division right now. I think this knocks down um, Peter Yan to, you could say two, you could say four, but it doesn't make him the number 11 person in that division at this point. And I think bumping Sean to number one is kind of absurd, in my personal opinion. I think, um, yeah, and, and I agree with you on that. As fans, we typically want a decision to go the way of the person we like the most, right? It's the reason why I never comment on whether or not a, a John Jones conversation, right? Like, I'll never sit there and argue with people on whether or not Dominic Reyes beat him or not, because I could never do it in good faith. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I agree with that part. But yeah, man, I, I just think that it ultimately comes down to the, who the judges are, what their criteria are is, and then what all do we weigh? Tagging you in a lot. So I did say contender, by the way, because I actually don't, out of 135, I'm on record as saying I don't know that a Sean Malley will ever hold a title, and I I still kind of stand by that. Um, Kind of piggybacking on what TJ said, I do think it's crazy. On a, on a great night of fights at 135, somehow Cheeto Vera loses, and he wasn't even there. To, he didn't even fight on the night. It's crazy. Because, yes, he should have slid up past everybody and he's now the legit number one contender yeah Russell. i guess my biggest problem with that is if he went out let's say he went out there and destroyed yan and yan's number one i could see an argument for being number one or two even if he didn't fight anybody but he won a decision that myself including pretty much everybody that you know you know how after the fight they ask everybody who they think they won. I didn't see anybody that scored it for O'Malley, but, and this kind of goes to what you all were saying, I didn't see anybody necessarily saying that it was a robbery. Now, I'm not talking about internet tropes. I'm talking about like people actually in the community, other fighters and everything like that, but I didn't see anybody that had O'Malley winning. So at that point in time, and to your point, how do you hop over Cheeto Vera or just period going to that number one spot. And that's also why, to your point, TJ, I wouldn't have Jan falling too far. You know, I'd give him maybe a one, you know, maybe he drops to number two because the reality is I don't think he lost that fight, if that makes sense. Yes, on the record books, he lost that fight. But is that enough for him to drop any significant spots? You know, TJ, you're about to say something. Sorry, I was just gonna I was gonna joke off of Locke's comment that, you know, Martin Vera lost on the night he wasn't fighting, but that goes back to a couple of different, you know, angles, right? If I'm Marlon Vera, the night as soon as the decision was made, not only would I be calling out Sean O'Malley saying that you got gifted another decision, blah, 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 but like I would be challenging Peter Yan to a fight, right? Like he he's now one of the people in that division that doesn't have a dance partner. And his two choices are Marab sean or peter yan he should have went the gangster way about it and just called out yan as the true winner and started make painting that narrative that sugar shine is not even a worthy person he didn't win and like changes the entire community and the entire conversation right if that makes sense and then like now you hear peter yan talking about or you're hearing rumors that yan is thinking about leaving the sport now because of this decision um i i like what you just said makes a lot of sense. Like, don't don't think I'm pushing back on this part. But, like, there's a, also the argument to be made that, like, sometimes you have to decisively defeat your opponent so thoroughly that there's not even room for doubt. 
And while, yes, again, I scored it for him, I don't know if, certainly know if I think he did it so decisively that there's not even a room for doubt. Does it make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I absolutely understand that, especially when you're talking about three rounds, because it's just a one round swing, right? So whether you got it, you know, 2 1 Yan or 2 1 O'Malley, it's a one round swing. That's the difference, you know? So, um, understanding that and that's one of the things where you know and i think we've all talked about this and many people of the mma community of course we know joe rogan is probably the person that shouts the loudest about this i just think we need a new scoring system i don't think we'll ever get it or won't get it for a long time it's like you know back in the day with college football how long did people complain about college football before it actually got a playoff my entire life childhood everything it didn't get a playoff till a few years ago right and people always complain sometimes you end up with you know two champions and it's like no it should be one champion those two people if it's two teams left they should play each other right so i think mma is like that um i do like of course as you all know i'm a big lover of one and one of the things that one does with a lot of their fights they judge it as a whole it's not judged round by round. So you can look at the whole thing and say, okay, who actually won that fight without having to say, okay, I got to give this round to this guy, this round to this guy. To me, it doesn't make sense. Um, one last thing before we move over uh, to the next topic, what's next for O'Malley? The reality is he is number one contender right now in the UFC. Does he get the knock sh- next shot at Sterling or what's next for him? I think you should for sure go with the, the Vera rematch. I, think. I mean, all Jermaine Sterling was looking for something else anyways. Uh, I mean, I think you do that fight and make it for sure for the title fight. I Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the writing's on the wall that it should be, you know, Cheeto versus Sean for, for a true number one contenders match. But again, this is where I think the entertainment of the sport needs to come into play. And if I'm Cheeto, I'm calling out Peter Young. I'm calling him out, and I'm saying, look, I already beat this guy. I'm going to make, I, I hate to use this term, but I'm going to make him beg, make Sean beg for that match. And I'm getting on that same card, as a, that Australian card, as a backup fighter as well. You know what I mean? Um, that's that's what I would do. But there's also a part of me that thinks that there should be a rematch between Sean and Peter. Yeah, I could see e- any of those scenarios. Uh, the problem going back to, uh, you know, Cheeto Vera losing if there's a rematch between Jan and O'Malley, that's just a bigger loss for him because I don't think they're going to jump him up and say, hey, let's give him the title shot. Now, if that happened, then I think it would be great for him, right? Uh, but if not, to me, it just holds it up because he they're probably still going to want to see him fight one of those two guys before they give him a title shot. And part of that comes down to a popularity contest, unfortunately. But um, I do want to move on to the next fight, which was TJ Dillashaw versus Aljamain Sterling. Aljo, the champion. TJ Dillashaw, previous champion or, you know, a couple champions ago before, uh, you know, suspensions and things of that sort. (laughs) Um, So, you know, one of the things that we learned and uh, when I was watching this fight, I remember seeing him holding his hand 
I thought it was something wrong with his hand. I kept telling people, look, something wrong with his hand. Like when he was on the ground, he was grabbing and doing some weird stuff. Well, we found out later that he had some type of injury with his shoulder coming into the fight where his shoulder keeps popping out of place. And I guess he talked to the ref beforehand. I was like, hey, my shoulder pop out. Don't stop it. Just so you know, it's doing that. One, what's your opinion on the outcome of the fight? And two, what are your thoughts on going into the fight like that? Should that should he be replaced? Should he have been going into that fight knowing that his shoulders just popping out of place? I'm gonna shoot this one over to you first, lot. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I don't know how much experience you have with shoulders, but when they stop start popping out like that, yeah, you could pop them back in, but every time it's just, it's gonna keep happening until you actually get it, you know, healed up and uh, you know, rehab it and that kind of thing. As to whether he should have pulled out or or if they should have replaced him. Uh, I mean, yeah, he probably shouldn't have been out there fighting like that. But I, I'm consistent in that once you decide to go ahead and make the walk, um, you can't use the injury. Um, and and I get it, you know, and, and I know that it's a factor. But to me, that's hedging your bets when you do that because you're kind of trying to play like, you know, a hero card. Like, ah, well, I'm still going out there. Like, well... Once you make the walk, you're presenting yourself as healthy enough, I feel like. So, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have, but he did. And uh, that is why you don't do that if if you have an injury that serious. Don't do that. That is bad. <laughs> go ahead, TJ. What you got? Yeah, I look, he's a disgusting person. Like, it, it's crazy, man. Like, all right. And I used to be a fan of his. Okay. I'm gonna be quite honest with okay. you. And y'all know my thoughts on steroids. My thoughts and, is and everybody told doing us it. that before anybody, right? Obviously, my True. like I'm gonna get animated because it bothers me even on a deeper level. Here is it's like all right, it's one thing to go into a fight injured. Every fighter goes into a fight injured. Some people have blown out knees. Some people had dislocated fingers. You know whatever. His shoulder was falling out by him lifting his hand up. So that's not even just like a slipped shoulder. Like literally. You had you must not have any tendons left in your shoulder. Like it's just he literally was standing there, his shoulder went bloop, I'm I'm out, right? It's like, why even he said it best, why hold up the division on a bullshit fight? You had zero chance of winning unless you was able to get one lucky Mike Tyson punch out on this dude. You couldn't defend a takedown. You really couldn't transition. You couldn't do anything. You really wasted his this guy's time. You tainted a dude who's already like has a very questionable championship reign. Because now people aren't talking about how he dominated. Just like, oh, he was injured. That's why you won. Right? It's like, you do that. And then it's just like, what What kind of, like, what were you on? Right? Like, I've hurt my shoulder, tweaked it to the point where I thought I was going to need surgery. And I couldn't barely lift my arm up. Like, he came in there cut up, chopped up, and like, in supreme shape other than his shoulder injury. So I'm like, so what workouts were you doing? How did you stay in this, this level of shape? How did you stay with this level of muscle mass? You already question your 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 pharmaceutical enhancement. You're injured. You're in this fight, and then you get on the mic, and the first thing you say to everybody else, "Yeah, my shoulder was hurt in April." I told the doctors, but that's it. Like that's so. I'm sorry, that dude is disgusting. They should cut him. <laughs> they should cut him. Like that's just gross. Let me say this. I agree with. Um, I agree with both of you all, and this is what I would say. Um, one. I like TJ Dillashaw 
Um, I was a fan of his also. I think he's a bit of a shell of his, him, himself, you know. But I think one thing that you said, um, TJ, that was really big about, you know, what he mentioned about holding up the division. My problem with things like this is, let's say you won. Let's say somehow you went out there and won that fight. What happens? Now that belt is held up for a year plus, and we go right to fighting for an interim title anyway, right? Like, what do you really get out of that? Um, so to me, that was one of the things that made it, it terrible. And he did look cut up, but he looked like he had a really tough weight cut. Um, I don't remember if I posted in that group, but I know I had sent this to somebody. It was like, TJ don't look good at that way. And he really looked like he had a, a tough cut. Um, so, you know, I was expecting, you know, that he was going to gas or something was going to happen in this fight anyway, that wasn't going to be in his favor. Uh, but the, I did, I definitely noticed that the shoulder or whatever, I didn't know it was a shoulder while I was watching it. And I was at a bar, so I couldn't hear anything if they were talking about it. Uh, but, um, I did notice it was causing him a lot of issues, especially like you said, takedown, scramble, so many things like that. So who knows what the, that fight would be. But what I do know is Aljo came out there and looked really good. He mixed it up really well. I think he looked dangerous for anybody in the division. Um, and I think it, I, even if we saw TJ without the shoulder issue, I don't think that fight would have went much different because I think Aljo really looked that good in his strategy, his mix-up. He really, really went back to his wrestling in this fight, which I love. I don't know why a lot of these smaller guys don't go back to it. But just in general, you know, like we've talked about this, it's a lot of guys with wrestling backgrounds that just won't use it, and I don't get it. And, uh, you know, we see what's going on with a lot of these Dagestani dudes and whatnot. They go out there and they use that wrestling. And it's effective because most people don't use theirs, right? So, um, but yeah, I agree with what both of you all said. I want to throw this out there, though. With that said, Aljo, that was his second title defense. At Bantamweight, it's one of those weight classes where you really know nobody that has a lot of title defenses. If he gets one more title defense, that literally puts him at the top of Bantamweight for all-time title defenses. That said, what do you think he can do moving forward at Bantamweight, understanding likely he either is going to have Cheeto or O'Malley next? Do you think he can get that record, and what do you see kind of going forward from there? And I'll shoot that. Actually, Locke, it looked like you were about to say something anyway, so I'll shoot it back up. Uh yeah, so I will lead this off as you requested by saying that this is a biased opinion. So th there is that, but no, yeah. So <laughs> so I'm a fan, and when I hear stuff about like you know, uh, you know, questionable title reign, and you know, now they're talking about this instead of how good he looked. Well, I'm not. I'm like fuck it. He he's just smashing the shit out of him, and I think that's important. That's what you do. Like if if I think. I think the reason that TJ Dillashaw did it, I think everybody's been doubting Sterling for a long time. And I thought TJ really underestimated the point where he thought he was just good enough to to go in there and beat him one arm. 
And I think it's important mm-hmm. to put a stamp on that and, and set the tone that uh, you better come ready, you know, better come ready to fight me because I will hurt you. And uh, I like it. And I, I really like his his pedigree when you look at his, you know, he got a wrestling background and then, you know, a, a legit Sarah black belt, which is like one of the hardest black belts in the world to get, you know. And but I also like his style where I I always thought of like Sarah Jiu-Jitsu or Hensel Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. I always thought it was more a little bit more traditional. You know, I know like 10th Planet, they into a lot of like different type of stuff. But uh, Aljo's grappling is really unconventional. And I think that's going to, you know, uh, cause problems for a lot of people. And when I look at the top of that division, I, I don't see any reason that. Uh, I mean, I think he takes O'Malley easy. Um, I think Jan, he just has his number. Uh, Dillashaw, I think a, a fight, maybe maybe it drags out a little bit longer, but I think it still ends sim- similarly. I think he could be at the top of that division for, for quite a while, to be honest. I like it. And just to throw in there, uh, Henzo has been one of the Gracies that always kind of added stuff outside of tradition. He was, at least from what I've read and seen, you know, back in the day, he was one of the Gracies that was kind of shunned for that because he didn't just stick to this thing. If they wanted to train leg locks or whatever it was, he was like, yeah, shit, let's do it. TJ, what you got? There's there's uh, something Locke just caught out there, which I loved. One of the things I love the most about that fight is uh, if I was in that cage and my corner told me that TJ Dillashaw's shoulder was injured, not only would I kick him in the shoulder, but I would grab him by the forearm and yank the fuck out. Like, I would literally be yanking on it, <laughs> right? They would have to pull me off. Every punch would have been at that shoulder. I would have dug deep. And um, something that I thought was really dope about Aljo, and this is what I love about a person, because there's a little bit of rambling here, but when when anybody, especially us as men, like, when we ultimately mature past that next level, our entire approach and mentality changes. And, like, if you go back and watch the old Aljo fights, you know, when he would abandon his wrestling or he would do things in the middle of fights where it's just like he had a brain fart, like he was scared to hurt his opponent. When his corner told him, yo, his shoulder's fucked up. If you watch that second round, he comes out and starts kicking him directly in that shoulder. And I was like, that's brilliant. And then when he got him down, he positioned himself on that, like to push that weight on that shoulder and just started teeing off on TJ. And I was like, I was I was in another MMA group here chatting on Facebook, and I'm like, guys, I'm taking too much pleasure from watching this. I actually should check my, like, like I feel a little weird. I should turn the TV off because this is, uh, I'm getting too much pleasure from this shit. Um, but in terms of the division, his biggest threat right now in that division is Marlon Vera because that dude can crack. He can wrestle, right? He can defend takedowns and he can crack. Um, I still think that T, that, uh, Aljo is very hittable. I think that, uh, when he tries to strike, he has this really weird thing where, he doesn't defend the middle. All of his defenses, he like defends hooks. He defends kicks from the outside. But if you go straight down the pipe or if you get in close with something short, you're going to hit his chin. And I think Vera's the guy that can do that. Outside of that, unless Sean got lucky with his long striking, I think, I think you know, I think Aljo has to stick around for another three or four more fights and he cements his legacy down there. Do I think Henry poses a threat? I don't think Henry Sudo poses a threat. I'm sorry. Hey, man, you can't disrespect Triple C. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, this is this is what I would say. I, I agree with, you know, I definitely agree with all of that. And um, I didn't, once again, I was at a bar, so I didn't hear anything about the corner. But 
a fight that I always referenced that was like that is boxing back in the day. You know, I never forget um, Roy Jones took a guy's shoulder out. He was fighting, um, I think it was Eric Harding, I think dude's name was. But, um, you know, um, he was like, you know, at the end they was asking him because like it was the first time you had really saw that in boxing and he literally was aiming and doing combinations on this dude's shoulder to the point where dude couldn't lift his arm. And they like, you know, what was going on? He's like, man, you got to understand up here, like heavyweight, these some big boys, man. These some big, strong boys. He, he hit hard. I had to take that shoulder out. <laughs> so I said, if that was what uh, Sterling did, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you see something and that's, you know, it's no different than with leg kicks. You see a guy be wobble, whatever. What do you do? You go back to the kick. You know, the, the game is to get them out there, get them out of there as fast as possible. And, uh, you know, and not get yourself hurt or injured. Really quick, um, 30 seconds or less, who's next for Aljo if you're making the choice? TJ, you up first. Yes, you already announced that they're trying to plan the Henry Cejudo fight, but it's to me it's Marlon Vera. Locke, who you got? Well, we know how that Dana White privilege works. So I think the next fight is going to be, I think he's going to get O'Malley and, uh, Get another easy win. One of the greatest phrases of all time, Dana White privilege. <laughs> all right, fellas, let's move on to the next one, the main event. So in the main event, we saw Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. And um, this was a highly anticipated fight for a lot of reasons. Of course, as we know, Islam is kind of, uh, you know, Khabib's, you know, little man, so to speak, not in a disrespectful manner, but, you know, his his younger guy that he helped, you know, bring up. Um, and Oliveira has been looking like a world beater. And, uh, you know, other than his little blemish that he had on the scale, uh, really was looking like he was about to separate himself from the rest of the division. And that just didn't happen. I was really impressed with Islam. He's another guy that really hasn't fought anybody to get to the title. But he got that title shot, and he proved he's, he definitely uh, belongs up there. He looks really good. Um, yeah, but this is another one where we saw a ridiculous jump. Um, he went from off the list to number three, pound for pound. So we're not just talking about you know, the the 155 rankings, the lightweight rankings, pound for pound, and he jumped to number three on the UFC list and number five on the sure dog list. So first, what do you all, what did you all think about that fight? And uh, second, um, what do you think about that pound for pound? I'm going to shoot this one over to you first, TJ. Um, I don't think we saw the best of Charles Oliveira that night. And and I hate saying that when you talk about fights and championship fights because it's always one person's better than the other person that night. I just don't think that Charles Oliveira showed up at all. Not in a, like, I had an off night, but, like, I don't know, man. Like, his his entire approach to that fight was completely different than any fight he's ever fought, right? Um, I think Luke Thomas said it best when he said that the one thing that makes this fight dangerous is Charles has a built-in rest period. If he gets hit, he can go to the ground and people won't chase him he got hit and someone actually chased him down and they were able to kind of advance on him. But I just don't think it was, I don't think that was the best version. So I kind of want to see them fight again, whether it's two fights from now or three fights from now. I also think it's ridiculous to make him number three on a pound for pound list. Cause I don't think 
I don't see him being the dominant champion that um, uh, Khabib was, right? I still think Benil Dariush has an advantage on the striking that could actually hurt him and could defend a takedown. I actually think Justin Gaethje now has a has a hard, a better path to a championship and uh, winning a championship in this fight. I would love to see what Mike Chandler does with him, right? Like these are guys that will engage him grappling, but on a higher level. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and I just think it's kind of disrespectful to bump, you know, him up there. Like where does Leon Edwards sit on a pound for pound list right now? Does anybody know? Yeah, they got Leon right now on the UFC list as number five. So the the right now the list is Volkan's number one, Izzy's number two, Islam's number three, Usman's number four, and Edwards is number five. We're not even going to talk about how Usman's above Edwards. That we're not going to talk about that. Okay, <laughs> so go but, ahead. Like, but but to that point though, like I mean, Leon is he? What is that? One defeat or he's undefeated right now? I can't remember. But like. He had a strong, a harder path to his title than than Islam did. So, like, how does that catapult him? Is it strictly because of his, you know, relationship to a former champion? And that, that I think that's unfair. Good point. I'll let Locke dive in, and then I'll tell you my opinion. Yeah, it's uh, the the number three pound for pound is is ridiculous. Off off the strength of back to back wins, the Oliveira win you you got to give it to him. It's Oliveira in the middle of one of the greatest runs in MMA history. That's a good win. That's his one good win. You know, then you're looking at wins over Bobby Green, Dan Hooker. I mean, I know we beat this to death. And I guess there's no need to rehash it, but no, that doesn't. That gets you the title, and then we can work from there, win a couple fights, then we can revisit it. But yeah, when you look at what Leon Edwards has done, the Usman thing is ridiculous. But yeah, he's on an amazing run against legit, you know, ranked guys. Um, I don't, I don't know how Islam jumps all the way up like that. As far as the fight, I agree that I don't think it was the best Charles Oliveira. And I think, so I picked against Oliveira in the first couple fights. I picked him against him against Ferg and I picked against him against uh well no I took him against Chandler um but I took uh Poye over him too and he was really starting to turn around because I'm a fan and I like to see these guys that have been around a long time and paid their dues and worked their way up I like to see him get in the run and I like to see that he got his title run but he definitely turned what was an amazing run and a potentially you know pound for pound you know great title run into the most Charles Oliveira shit where, you know, you got a fight where you kind of mailed it in and then one, one, we missed weight. And then, you know, so it probably gets submitted in his next fight and, uh, you know, get back to, you know, normal Charles Oliveira shit. But, uh, I think even though it did, he didn't fight to his best and it didn't look like him at his best in the cage. I, I think that's kind of his career trajectory would tell you that he's just kind of back to where he used to be and he kind of didn't maybe take that next level up. Yeah. Um, so I can agree with, I can agree with all of that. I, I do think though, I think that Islam, I don't think that this is another one of those fights where I don't think even if Oliveira came in better, that fight is much different. Um, and it's because of the, 
what Oliveira did in kind of his strategy. So, you know, TJ, you mentioned the whole thing. It's like, okay, yeah, if you get hurt, people don't go to the ground with him. It wasn't even, there were times where he, Islam didn't necessarily follow him to the ground as much as he would get hit with a body shot or something being close and pull, uh, you know, Islam down to the ground. And one thing that we noticed about these Dagestani fighters, they're not easy to submit. It's something about their style of wrestling that's very, very position-based. It's very different than American wrestling. It's not as heavy as far as being on you as much as it is being heavy with positions and doing different things where they're always got an arm or something free to punch you, but not something that allows you to get a submission in. And um, I think Islam showed that in this fight. Um, as far as him being number three, I definitely don't agree with it. Um, I get that you beat a champion, but to get on that pound for pound list, and I've said this before, to get on my pound for pound list, my all-time list, anything like that, I really need to see a body of work. You don't have a body of work. You had a really good victory. There, that's two very different things. You know, you go out there, you really string together, and all of a sudden now you're fighting number one contender after number one contender. Yeah, we can talk about it, but to, to just jump you on that list, especially over guys that are really out there fighting contenders, make absolutely no sense to me. Um, but I digress. Um, what the hell did I say that? You said, yeah. Uh, yeah, it made a huge difference because we seen Gaethje was afraid to chase him on the ground. Poirier was deathly afraid to chase him on the ground. And these guys, D1 All-American wrestler, jiu-jitsu black belt, and, uh, you know, they kind of let that mystique get to him. You know, know, obviously, Islam said that he wouldn't be afraid to. Well, you said it's a Dagestani wrestling. I mean, Khabib said it. He said, if if Sambo was easy, it'd be jiu-jitsu. And they're just not (laughs) afraid. They're not afraid, man. Yeah, he did say that. Sorry. If I can, though, just real quick, I think what we saw and the reason why I say it wasn't the same Charles is these, the last fights you just, you just mentioned Dustin, Justin, all the other people he beat, he actually took the fight to them, right? Like if you notice all of his submissions came off of him knocking the person down or defending or, or rushing them to the cage and the knees, the clinches, the strikes, this fight, it looked like he was scared to even exchange. You know what I'm saying? Even the hook that dropped him from Islam, um, Charles was on far on the outside, fainting but not engaging and islam just was like all right fuck it i'm gonna wing a right overhand right and pop and popped him you know what i mean like that's why i say like i feel like we didn't see and to to, to dc's point like it, it if he comes into a fight with a different strategy more akin to what he's been fighting for the last four fights we may see a more competitive fight but if he goes in with that same mentality then yes he's gonna lose um, and then just tagging you back in DC, I know I asked the question before all of this though, was, is this the most important fight in, in the UFC to date? I'm curious to know y'all thoughts. Yeah. I'm going to dive into that because I want to touch on something else because that's going to roll us into a two part conversation. So I'll dive into that one in a minute. But, uh, the next thing I want to go to is what's next for Islam. So it sounds like they're really trying to make this Volkanowski fight. Of course, um, for those that don't know, for this fight, Volk went on ahead and did everything and weighed in and everything because he was going to be an alternate in case one of them fell out in this fight. So it sounds like he's already mentally prepared. He's already prepared his body, everything. 
to go ahead and make this move to 155. He was already not the biggest guy at 145, but he was, you know, he had the thicker frame at 145. At 155, he's going to be the smaller guy and probably like overall a, a smaller frame also. What do you all think about that next for Islam? Or do you think it should be a whole nother direction? If I'm not mistaken, Dana is saying this is the next fight. They, I think they already announced it for the uh, Australia card, right? Like that's what's been sort of not con- not committed, but sort of put out there to the media. I We know how that is, though. It's Dana. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, if you're asking me about whether or not it's a competitive fight, I will never vote against Volkanovski ever again. Not because I think he wins all his fights, because I still don't think he wins his fights, even though he broke my heart beating Max for real for the first time that last in their last fight. So really, they're you know they're they're two and one. Um, I just think that like I don't see the judges ever giving going against him in the decision in the fight. And I think you know you got to give Eugene Berman a lot of credit in City Kickboxing and their ability to game plan and program and fight fight to win decisions when they need to. So that's what I give it the credit to. But in terms of the matchup in the cage, I don't think it's a size situation because, like, Volk is short, but he's not small. Um, I think it really comes down to can Islam submit a guy who's basically seems to be unsubmittable? And if he can, then the fight's over in the first round. If he can't, then Islam's best chance of winning is a, a five-round decision. That That's kind of how I see that fight going out. I think Volk will actually be a lot smaller in that fight. And I, I, I'll tell you why. Again, at 145, the difference is, yeah, the the guys are taller, but most of the tall guys at 145 are really slim, right? So you take a Max that's, you know, I forget, Max is like 5'9 or something, right? But he's slim. You look at Islam, Islam's like 5'10", 5'11". And he's way thicker than a guy like Max, right? You look at his arms, his legs, everything like that. So I think when they step into the cage, Volk will look a nice amount smaller. I know he's going to put on a little bit more size than he did at 145, but he he doesn't have generally a big frame. So there's still only so much he can put on without just slowing himself all the way down. Um, You know, they got Max listed as taller than Islam. How tall is Max? 5'11". 5'11". How tall is Islam? 5'10". Okay. So let's say it's right around the same thing. But once again, frames, you know, Max is really slim, right? Versus Islam doesn't look to be anywhere near as slim as a guy like Max, right? But I'll let you dive in lock for the actual question. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much. I don't know how much uh, smaller he'll be. I mean, obviously he'll be shorter, but I think he does a really good job of fighting long. Uh, his leg kicks uh, use long straight punches, and I think he uses those pretty well. Uh, I, I'm. What do you I think about the actual matchup, though? Or do you think it should be somebody else? Well, I I don't think Volkanovski's in a position. I don't think the UFC is in a position to really tell him no if he wants to. I mean, obviously they can. He's the boss. But when you look at, look, he probably shouldn't even have took that third max fight. You know, he could have easily been like, look, I beat him twice. I get he's the number one contender. I don't want to do it again. And not only did he do it, 
it's the one where he legit beat him. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I think uh, if he wants that fight, he's been kind of a company man. And he's, you know, he's been winning. I don't think there's a whole lot. If there were some pressing contenders or the division was really backed up, then I would say no. But I think if that's the fight he wants, I think you got to give it to him. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I would have loved to see a different fight, but I can't disagree with, you know, any of those points. I will say this, though, about Islam. In my opinion, after this victory, he has a good chance to go down. Uh, going back to the same thing, kind of what I mentioned with Sterling, when you look at title defenses and everything like that, if they give him this vote fight next, I think he beats Volk. It's title defense number one. To break the record at lightweight, you only need three title defenses, right? Let's say, okay, he beats Volk, and then they run back to fight with Oliveira. That's two. In two more fights, he can be argued as the greatest lightweight of all time. And I think that's absolutely insane. It's, I think that's what know, the UFC wants, though. I, I would agree. And and what's big about that, as everybody knows, that's always been my biggest knock against Khabib. When people put him in that GSP, Anderson Silva, John Jones type talk, you can't be there, in my opinion, with three title defenses. It, you, you're just not in the category. DJ, you can't be in the category of these guys. You know, we're talking about guys with 9, 10, 11 title defense, not even counting other fights. Just title defenses. You're not in that category. But what I do want to dive into next was absolutely um, what TJ mentioned. So in a fight group, um, TJ ended up putting up a post before this fight that basically asked, was this Islam Oliveira fight the most important matchup of the year? And did we think that it would dictate the next four years at 155? So I'm actually going to go first on this one um, because I did a rebuttal in the in the group. So I don't think it's the most important matchup of the year. I think the most important matchup of the year to dictate a division is by far the Izzy versus Pierre fight. And this is the reason why I say that. Whether it was Islam or Oliveira that won that fight, it was a brand new title, right? Everybody's pretty much open to fight at that point in time, right? Whether it'll dictate the next few years at 55, possibly it depends. 55 is very competitive. You know, as we talked about, there's been some great fighters there and three is the max that anybody has did for a title, right? And it's, that's tied with Khabib, BJ, Frankie, and Bendo. Usually once people get to that mark, it, they don't go past. It. We look at Izzy right now. Izzy's... Um, I believe he just did either his sixth or seventh title defense. But what's more important than that, in the division of the top 10, he's beaten the top five guys already. Him fighting Piera, uh, Piera's at, uh, um, I forget what number they got him at, like four or something like that. So if he wins this fight, that would be six out of the top 10 guys that he's beat already. Who's not? Who's in that top 10 that he hasn't fought or beat? Sean Strickland, who just lost, so, right? He's a non-factor. Jack Hermanson, he's three and two in his last five. 
Darren Teal, he's one and four in his last five. I don't even know how he's ranked. He, they have him at number nine. How I have no idea. And then a new and guy that's the, the fight ground. that the UFC Izzy they all want the Darren Till fight. Like Darren Till just needs listen. to scrap out some wins to make it happen. Listen, but and then we have the new guy on the block, uh, Andre Muniz, and I actually like him. And you know we've talked about people coming off of that Dana White contender series. He's a guy coming off of that. Out of that whole list, the only person I see that even could you could justify a title fight would be the new guy on the block at number 10. Other than that, Izzy's beat everybody and beat some of those guys twice. So if Piera wins this fight, it changes that whole division. We have a brand new division at that point. And if he doesn't and Izzy wins, it changes the everything because now, once again, other than that fight at number 10, what do you do? Does, do you have to move up again? What happens? So I think that fight is way more important for dictating a division because if Izzy wins, for example, let's say um, uh, Whitaker keeps beating people, are they really going to give him a third fight with Izzy? Would Vittori really get a third fight with Izzy? It, this fight completely controls the division. So that's my two cents. Um I'll throw it over to, since it was your question, TJ, I'm going to throw it over to Lockbex. And just to repeat, basically the question was, was Islam versus Oliveira the most important matchup of the year? And will it de- dictate the next four years at 155? Yeah, so that's a tricky question because, not because the question's tricky, because it's just over my head, uh, really. But um, I think it could be up there in that, you know, if Charles, if Oliveira wins, you know, you've kind of cleaned out the division. You're kind of now looked at, at kind of one of the lightweight goats. And now it's opened up a lot of stuff over the next couple of years. So I get that. To me, as far as is it the, the most important fight of this year? I mean, it's huge for the lightweight division. I think it definitely affects it. That fight affected the division over the next couple of years. But I don't know if it's the biggest one this year. I have a hard time saying uh, the the Izzy fight, and I get everything you said, so it's you know it's an argument that makes sense. So I can get that. I just can't get that excited for the fight. The the only reason I get everything you said, I just don't think it's a good fight. I think Stylebender eat, beats him handily. Um, I think it's a uh, we're being sold by Dana. This is like another Dana special that he's trying to really give us. So that's the reason I can't really get behind that fight is the most important one. I get what you're saying to the division because he's definitely lapping the division. Um, but well, I that's guess... That's really the question, though. Is it the most important? Like, Yeah. At, at least, and I'll let you clarify, TJ, because it was your question. That's why I tagged you in that in that actual post lot, just so you could read it, because you know how yeah. it is when somebody else paraphrased it. But at least that's what I looked right. at it as. Was it the most important thing for dictating a division? Well, and then I guess because the only other two options I'm looking at is at first I thought, you know, the the Leon, uh, the Usman fight. But then I guess that, you know, it's a big one, but I don't know what it does to the division because we're going with an immediate rematch. So if they didn't go with a rematch, then I think it really opens everything up and it makes a lot of good fights and it clears up, you know, a lot of room for, you know, like your guy Colby, you know, get some opportunities for guys like that. But... 
if since they're running it back right away, I think that takes some of that off of it because Usman comes back and wins that fight and it's right back to business as usual. Uh, the only other one I thought of isn't a real fight, but I was thinking if they do, if they do John Jones Stipe in December, that would be a really important fight for the heavyweight division. So, um, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. I just can't say that that's the best fight because I don't like it. What you got, TJ? I think, um, I'm happy you re- you hit it rebuttal. Happy you asked the question you asked to my question, right? And why I posed the question originally is is I think we're in a dark period of UFC. You know, all of these sports are cyclical. We're in a down a down cycle right now. There aren't any stars in in the UFC. There isn't any money division. The two money divisions as of right now really was 155 and then 185, right? Because Izzy's just the the closest thing that we have to a star right now. Um, and the reason why I said is this 155 fight, the most important fight of the, uh, uh, in the UFC for now is because regardless of Charles or Islam, the top six opponent people behind them all have losing records with the exception of Benil Darius, right? And as much as I like Benil, I, I, I may have said earlier, right? Like, you know, Justin, Benil, these guys now have a better chance at winning because they could maybe stave off, uh, Islam's wrestling, but realistically, if they can't, then it's a foregone conclusion, right? So, like, we could be looking at Islam as a champion for the next four years. So, like you said, uh, DC, if he wins three in a row, all of a sudden he becomes an iconic light heavyweight fighter. Or, or, sorry, a lightweight fighter. Um, but then when you pose the question you pose about 185, it made me think about it. And then hearing you what you just said now, right? Like, essentially that top 10 division all are victims of Izzy style, right? Like, they they not only have lost to him, but they can't figure out his style. And even the person, the two people that maybe came closest, you know, he's figured out their style and they style, and they are still playing catch up. Right. Um, I think though, that if, if, if Alex wins that fight and the reason why I don't think it's the most important, if Alex wins, they're likely going to give Izzy an immediate rematch unless Izzy gets the break speed off of him. It's a, if it's a one punch knockout, They'll give him a rematch, but if it's like five rounds of is he getting the break speed off of him, they won't, right? Um, so you're looking at this fight happening two more times at ma- at minimum for those two guys. Then after that, at, the way Alex Style is set up, the top five beats Alex Pereira, right? Like I think Robert Whitaker beats the breaks off of Alex Pereira. I think Jared kind of near. That's a fifty fifty fight, but I would give it to Jared. I think Marvin Vittori gets a decision off of him. Um, I think I, I jokingly say Derek Bronson cause you know, whatever, but like if Derek actually fought the right way, if it was a blonde, blonde Derek, if he actually goes in and wrestles him, he wins that fight. Right. Um, and then you get into the bottom half of that 185 division, then it gets super thin. Demolition, it gets, man. <laughs> it gets Demolition, super, man, Bronson. <laughs> it gets super thin after the top five, right? Literally after, after Bronson, who's probably a, a 500 fighter, right? Like after that. It gets very thin. It's a bunch of people that they keep trying to prop up as stars but can't string together two wins in a row. Um, and then to Locke's point, I don't really – I'm not acknowledging the heavyweight division until John Jones makes a bell, right? Not even makes way, but he has to make a bell. Because with Francis – even with Francis' sideline, who's in the heavyweight division that we collectively care about? Heavyweight may, for the first time in the history of UFC, be, be the least interesting division in that entire sport. Like – we even try to prop up people that we still like we're propping up 
jobbers, right? We're propping up Tai Tiavasa, but like no one's looking at him as an elite athlete. You know what I'm saying? Like or an elite fighter. And that kind of that that means that like we're banking on an a middle aged John Jones essentially coming out of retirement. Hopefully he's not on a bender that weekend and making that division exciting again. Like I don't know. So I, I hope he is. Isn't that when he's at his best? <laughs> fair, fair. Like it's a question that I don't have an answer to, and that's why I asked the question. Yeah, I'll say this. Um, at heavyweight right now, the person I like the most, Surreal Gone, I think he still has a chance to be champion. I think he would fight a very different fight if he fought in Gano again. Um, I actually like Tuivasu. Do I think he would be champion? I don't see him. I didn't really see him being champion if he did get a title. You know, it's heavyweight. Anybody can get knocked out. I didn't see him going on any kind of run, but I like him. I think he's exciting. I think he's good for heavyweight. You know, the problem with a lot of big men, and this is in every sport, most big men don't have a personality. That's why it's so hard to get. That's why, like, if you go back to boxing or something, somebody like Mike Tyson was so larger than life. He was the heavyweight champion, and he was a personality. And after that, we got fucking Lennox Lewis and the Klitschko brothers and all these dudes with no personality. And their heavyweight died again. And then who did we get from that? Then we got, you know, the, the bomber and we got, uh, um, uh, uh, what's the Irish dude? Come uh, on, the Gypsy King? Know. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, Gypsy King. Yeah, then we got him. And we had personalities back at heavyweight. And what happened? Heavyweight was exciting again, right? In the UFC, you don't have a lot of personalities, and I think that's the problem. Stipe don't have a personality. Francis don't have a personality, right? And I think that's what hurt it. Tuivasu, personality. Surreal Gons on the borderline. I think he got maybe a little John Jones or something. I mean, the reason why I say that, he seems like he's purposely trying to be nice. And all, all Stipe would have to do if Stipe could just come up with the, the littlest bit of charisma, like he's a great fighter he's from the Midwest, all American fireman. Like they want to sell that so bad. He don't and have it. He's just and look, seemed like a good enough dude or whatever. You know, pretty good. He's a good fighter, but yeah, he just doesn't got that uh whatever it is that makes you help sell the fights. The reason why we keep having Derek Lewis fights is because the rest of them don't have a personality. Yes. We need somebody to say, I took my pants off and my balls was hot. <laughs> you, you beat me to it, but that was what we were talking about. The uh, There's no personalities. That's one of the first things I was thinking is uh, that's why Derek Lewis keeps getting fights. Yep, exactly, exactly. So, you know, with that being said, it's one of the reasons why the heavyweight division needs John Jones. And then uh, one more thing that I did want to say, um, you know, TJ, as far as the, um, you know, I don't know that all of those guys beat Pierre. We haven't seen him have to wrestle yet. I have to see that before I can make that judgment. So I think the jury's still out. But I do think even in what you said, let's say he beats Izzy, Izzy comes back and beat him and they run it back again. That still completely holds up the division. So that's the reason why this fight is more important for a division than any other fight. In my opinion, in their division, this fight is the most important. If we look at heavyweight, even if John Jones and Stipe fight, it's not the most important 
fight because we don't have Francis yet. We still have real contenders there. It's not a lot. We got Francis. We got Don. Now, I don't want Francis to knock my you know, head off my neck. I'm not calling him a contender. He's the champion. But I'm saying while he's out, they're going to fight for a belt, right? And if that fight happens, it's not light. We don't see all the paths after that, right? There's there's many fights to be made at, made at heavyweight. Whereas it, whoever wins between John Jones and Stipe, I really don't see it having a huge impact on what happens at heavyweight. Because even if John Jones loses, he has infinite fights at heavyweight. He's brand new to the division. If Stipe loses, you make John Jones or uh, uh, you know, uh, in Ghana right away. You know what I mean? It's like you have so many avenues with this Izzy fight. It literally dictates everything in a division. You can't even see past this fight to see what's going to happen in the division. You, you know what I mean? So just my two cents. I'll let any of y'all rebuttal and then we're going to wrap it up or throw anything else in there you want to throw in. I would just say that this Islam fight is dictated two divisions because now he's, you know, fighting Alexander Bolt. So if you want to weigh on what affects it, it's affecting two divisions at this point. That was going, hey, let's talk about moving up regardless. So I don't think that has anything to do with this fight, though, right? Eh, I mean, it depends. I mean, it's that age-old question. And again, not to drag it on because now my kids are going crazy upstairs. But um, both losing to Islam could be an embarrassing situation, right? Like, it could go that bad for him. Um, and then, I mean, it's cool that they're rushing this fight for February, but like, you know, there are some legitimate contenders at 145 that now have to sit out for another three to four months just to figure out where this fight takes place and how it shakes out. Right. And then, uh, if Volk goes up the wrong way, is that going to limit his ability to defend his belt? You know what I mean? Like what that, that's, there's a lot of mix up there. And then also with this fight happening, that light heavyweight, I mean, that lightweight sort of thing which it may be a good thing that's also on a backlog now but maybe it's a good thing because now we'll start getting contenders fighting each other instead of everybody waiting um so yeah but i i don't think you're wrong by the way i just want to put this out there so i'll pose in the question i don't think it's a wrong answer here and i think that you make the most compelling argument for this this fight to be the most important fight i do think that overall this fans have been this period it's a dog shit period like i've never been to a point i can't think of the last time we were at a point where it's really like Almost like no one cares about who's the champion in any division or no one's excited about fights. It's just either rematches or, you know, UFC sale jobs. That's my favorite shit. Old school. Just put them in the cage and everybody fight everybody. Who wish you got locked? No, I don't I don't got a rebuttal. Like I said, uh I mean I couldn't come up with a better one. So I, your your guys' arguments is are as compelling as anything else I've heard, so but I still think that they're selling us on Piera, and I think Stylebender beats him easily. I hope so. That's what I'm going for. But, you know, when you get knocked out by somebody, there's something that's always in the back of your mind. And when somebody knocks you out, there's something always in the back of their mind. And we don't know how the mind game is going to play out. Can I Can I you weigh know? in there just with that thought? Yeah, like, I- yeah, we just got to wrap up. So ten, 30 ten seconds, seconds, 10 seconds. If y'all ever watched that fight, Izzy was beating him until he wasn't. That's all I got to say. And I think that that's still in Izzy's mind. Like, I think in his mind it still was a lucky shot. I definitely agree with that. I watched both of the fights, but it's 
in the back of your mind, it's still two losses with one of them being a KO. That got it. It's a, it's a, it's fighting is a mental game, you know. But of course, thank you everybody for coming. Thank you for TJ for um, not only uh, throwing out this topic for us, but you know, coming on the podcast and everything like that. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening. Come again.